Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you give us now to share your word. We thank you for utterance, for ourselves, understanding for your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's open our Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 4. And we want to look at verse 11 to verse 13. And I want to talk to you today about what I'm going to entitle Mastering the Art of Contentment. Mastering the Art of Contentment. Let's read the scripture. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be based, abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One more time, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, that reminds me of the story of two teardrops, two teardrops floating down a river and they begin a conversation and one teardrop said to the other one, who are you? And the other teardrop said, I am the teardrop of the girl who loved a man and lost him. And who are you? And the other teardrop responded, I am the teardrop of the girl who found him and married him. Contentment can be elusive, but it's, it's something we need to master if we are going to live life as God intends us to live. A pilot was flying over the skies of Iowa and over a particular lake, and he turned to his co-pilot and said, when I was a child, I would often look up as the planes would fly overhead, and I would wish that one day I would be flying that plane. And he says, but now every time I fly over this lake, I look down and wish I was sitting in that boat again, fishing. How content are you with where you are, with who you are, with what you have? How are you living your life today? Ask the person next to you, how content are you? 
Being content is hard. In fact, someone said it's never been harder to be content than it is today. The list of things that we need to be happy keeps growing longer and longer. People with small cars want big cars. People with big cars want bigger cars. But wait a minute, there are some people with big cars who want small cars because now it's cool to be environmentally sensitive. We want more prestigious jobs with impressive titles. And now we can add to our list the largest screen television, the newest game system, the iPhone 11. But the iPhone 12 will soon be coming, I'm sure. And all of you people who've invested hundreds and hundreds, thousands of dollars in iPhone 11 will soon be dissatisfied with that. And then there's a digital camera with the most megapixels. That's in the world, that list keeps getting, getting longer and longer. And of course, unfortunately the problem doesn't exist just out there in the world, it exists in the church. I mean, church members are discontented with their pastors. Pastors are frustrated with their boards. Worship teams are at odds over the style of music in the service. Parents are dissatisfied with the youth programming. The youth are turned off if they are not being entertained. No matter how much is done, it's never enough. The church should always be doing more. And of course, this discontentment is also being felt and experienced in Christian families. It's unfortunate that the divorce rate among Christians is as high and in some places higher than the national average, which means Christian husbands are disappointed with their Christian wives and Christian wives are discontent with their Christian husbands. Uh, children on drugs, uh, children committing suicide, men not being content to be men and so they're going to have surgery um, to become what they were born as because they're not content. And again, on and on and on. And so there is definitely an ep epidemic of discontentment that affects not just the world, but many of us right here. I know right now this is the coronavirus, I guess, that is making news. But I submit to you that there is something far more insidious that is at work in the world that we who are Christians need to develop an immunity to. I know they're trying to hurry up and find the vaccine or the cure for that virus, but I believe God has given us already the cure for discontentment. Say, I can do 
all things through Christ who strengthens me. These were the words of the Apostle Paul. He had discovered how to be content. Discontentment is not new. I mean, it goes all the way back to Lucifer. Remember? He was created by God. He was the anointed cherub of all of God's angelic host. He was number one. But then he looked at God, compared himself with God, and became discontented with who he was and what he has. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God created man in his image. God gave him everything, a garden of delight. That's what Eden means. With everything that he would ever need and far more than he could ever use. And for a while, we don't know how long, but for a while, everything went well. His relationship with God was what it needed to be, and he was experiencing the wonderful benefits of being in God's presence. Everything went well until Satan managed to sow a seed of discontentment into his mind, into Eve's mind, when he said, do you see? Compare yourself to God. God has something you don't have. And once he successfully introduced the seed of discontentment into Adam's mind and heart, Adam became susceptible to sin and temptation. One of the reasons why discontentment is such a terrible thing is not only because it is in itself sin, but because it is one of the major tools that Satan uses to get us to sin. Amen? Discontentment is often the door through which he is able to enter and to entice us to disobey God. to go our own way in search of what we think we need, which we do not yet have. May God give you and me the grace to overcome discontentment. And we, may we discover the secret that Paul discovered that in this world, we can live in contentment. Amen. We can be so satisfied with who we are and where we are and what we have. So satisfied in Christ that we are not disturbed. We are not uneasy. We don't lose our joy or our gratitude regardless of the circumstance. 
Say hallelujah. So let's see, what, what does God have to say to us about contentment? If I am going to overcome this, this contentment that is so prevalent in this world, and I'm going to start living a life where regardless of the circumstances that I find myself in, I'm satisfied to the point that I'm not disturbed, I'm not easy, and I'm still grateful. You know, that's what I want for you. I, I, want, I want for myself what Paul had. I want for you what Paul had. Here is a man who is writing from a prison cell. He is in chains. He is facing death. He is unjustly in prison, and he is saying, I'm fine. I'm not worried. I have peace. I am grateful. And not only is he saying that, he's saying it to people who are free, whose circumstances in the natural are much better than his, and we didn't read the passage, but if you, if you were to go up to Philippians 4, 6, you find he says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. In other words, I'm in this cell, but I'm rejoicing. I'm in this cell, but I'm giving thanks. And I want to encourage you out there to join me in doing the same. How can you be so content? when life is being so unfair. I want that for me. I want that for you. I don't want my emotions tied to circumstances because circumstances go up and down, go up and down, go up and down. And I don't want to just be going up and down, up and down. One day I'm happy, the next day I'm sad. One day I'm grateful, the other day I'm murmuring and complaining. I don't want my emotions to be tied to circumstances. I want my emotions to be anchored to something so solid, so strong, so immovable that no matter what's happening in my circumstances, my emotions are stable. Amen? I still have joy, I still have peace, I'm still full of gratitude even when my circumstances are changing around me. I want that for me. I want that for you. So let's see what God has to say. There are a few things in the passage that we can look at um, that Paul, Paul speaks of beginning at verse 11. Go back to verse 11 and let's see what I need to know. There's some things I need to know and some things I need to do. All right? So Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have what? For I have. Say, I have. That's important. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. Because what he's saying to us is that he was not always this way. He was not always content. You see, he's saying that contentment is not natural. 
we are naturally inclined not to be content. That's the effect of the fall in our flesh. Like Adam was in our flesh, the natural disposition is not to be satisfied, not to be content, to always want more, to always want different, to compare ourselves with others. That's the natural tendency. So Paul said, I, I have to learn to be content. It's almost as though he's saying this is a skill that you have to work at until you perfect it. So let's recognize you're not just going to get up tomorrow and find yourself walking in the kind of contentment that Paul is talking about. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take a decision. Are you hearing me? And like any skill, it's going to take some practice. And you won't always get it right, but if you keep practicing it and keep practicing it, the day will come when you can do it without even thinking. At first, it must be awkward, like trying to play the piano when you don't know how to play the piano. It's, it's, you're going to have to work at it, work at it. But I see these guys playing now, and they're not even thinking. Their hands are just... Amen? Oh, when you, were, when you were learning how to ride a bicycle. Remember the first time you got on one and how you had to try so hard, but now you can... I mean, you don't even think, right? So it is, if we're going to master the art, we got to first make a decision. We want to be content. We want to live this way, and we're going to start. And the sooner you start, the more quickly you can master it and get to the point where no matter what's happening, you are not disturbed to the point of losing your peace, losing your joy, and being ungrateful. Life is always fair, no, but you're always grateful, yes. Hallelujah. So here, 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 here are three things I'm going to share with you that will help you and help me get to where Paul got. Here's the first thing we need to realize. If I am going to master the art of contentment, I have to decide I'm going to stop comparing myself with other people. Hmm? I'm going to do what? Stop comparing myself with other people. Because you see, the minute you begin to compare yourself with other people, you open yourself up to becoming discontented with where you are. I mean, we all have observed children. This child has a toy. He, mommy and daddy gave him a toy. He's having a lot of fun with his toy until another child walks in with her toy or his toy and all of a sudden, whatever toy was satisfying him before is no longer satisfying him because now he wants the toy that the other child has. You know what I'm talking about? And then they cry and all that, right? 
Yeah, I'm glad we grow out of that. <laughs> or do we? Do we grow out of that? Because somebody said the only difference between a boy and a man is the cost of his toys. So I got my car until I see my friend's car. Then the car that was satisfying me is no longer satisfying me. I be, immediately begin to plan how I'm going to get a new car, a better car, a faster car. The only difference is the cost of his toy is much more than the cost of the toy he bought for his child. You're satisfied with your, with your looks until you see her. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you gotta go get a new wig or new. <laughs> or change your makeup you're using. Uh, you hear me? Or go get, a, go get an implant. Yeah, yeah, because, because today, Amen. Today, thick lips are in. Today, it's better to be endowed. And so you get implants where you feel you need some help. Because <laughs> you compare yourself. If you had not compared yourself to her, if you had gone to social media and compared yourself to them, if you hadn't watched what was on TV and compared yourself to what you were looking at, you would have been very content with the way you looked. Are you hearing me? But here's the, here's the problem, here's the problem. The day thick lips are in, tomorrow's thin lips may be in. So what are you going to do? You're going to reverse it? Because you know the world can't make up their mind in terms of what it takes to be happy. And so they keep changing their mind. They keep changing their mind. So one day, you know, the, the, the standard is to be skinny like a toothpick. I, I never found that beautiful, by the way, but some people... But that, that became the world standard. And then the next, you know, it's more full, 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 full bodied. So the standard keeps, keeps changing. And that's what makes it worse because as soon as you change, it changes. And that's why you can really never be content. So here's the first thing you and I need to do if we're going to start living a life of contentment where we're satisfied, joyful, and grateful, regardless of where we are, what we have, we've got to decide, I'm just going to stop comparing myself with others. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, sometimes we don't compare ourselves with others. We compare ourselves with a version of ourselves which we have created in our minds as to who or what we should be. 
And that version is always more beautiful or more handsome. Smarter, richer, more powerful, better known, more popular. We have this version of ourselves, and this is what I should look like. This is who I should be. And many times, a version of ourselves torments us even more because we keep comparing ours to who we are today with what we think we should be. And until we are what we think we should be, we can never be happy and satisfied with who we are, no matter how blessed we are. Be careful about comparing yourself, whether it's with somebody else or it is with this version of yourself that you have designed and determine that until you are that, you cannot be grateful. The devil has lied to us so that we're always wanting to be and do and look different than who we are. All right? Here's the second, second lesson we're going to have to learn. In fact, turn to Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, because here Paul is speaking. Let's read that. Verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you. Now, let your conduct be without covetousness. In order to be covetous or envious, you have to compare yourself. Right? So in essence, he's saying, stop comparing yourself with others. When you envy someone, what, what you are doing many times is you are, you are resenting God's goodness to them while not recognizing God's goodness to you. You, you didn't hear me. You, you, you're, when you are being envious, many times what you're doing, you're looking at God's goodness to somebody else and resenting that while not recognizing God's goodness to you. So here's the second lesson I need to learn and we need to practice until we get it perfect. Here's the second lesson. Contentment is not found in how much you have. It is not found in what you want and do not have. Here's a lesson. Your contentment is based upon your ability to recognize the value of what you already have. I'm not sure it's clear. You will never be content if you think that your contentment is based upon you getting all the things you want 
achieving all the goals that you have set for yourself. As long as you think that your contentment is based upon you getting all the things you want and achieving all the goals that you set for yourself, you will never experience contentment because you will always have more that you feel you need to have. Hmm? Like Adam, you will always be looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even though you have a whole garden that has been given to you. You will always feel, even though I got all this, the disposition of your heart, the way you would think, will be always, I got this, but I also need that. So here is the key. Contentment is not found in always wanting more or even getting all the things that I think I need at this time. Contentment is found in realizing or recognizing the value of what you already have. And until you learn how to recognize the value of what you already have, you will always struggle with being satisfied and content and joyful and grateful. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And soon it will surprise you. Come on, let's say that. Count your many, say many, many blessings. Name them one by one. And soon it will surprise you what the Lord has done. If you were to make it your priority to count the, your blessings, Amen. To acknowledge the value of the blessings you already have in your life. You would begin to experience a greater and greater degree of satisfaction and contentment. But as long as you are diminishing the value of what you have, while you're longing for what you don't have, thinking that it's what you don't have that will satisfy you, you will never know contentment. So the apostle says, don't compare yourself. Let your life be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. And somebody said, but that's the problem. What I have is so small. Especially when I compare it to somebody else. But wait a minute. See the thought. See the thought. Okay, I don't have a big car, I don't have a big house, I don't have a big job, I don't have a big bank account. I don't have any of those things. But, I have him. Oh, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. And so, what he's saying is, be content with what you have, but when you are considering what you have, don't fail to include in your calculations that you have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. 
oh you didn't hear me that you have Father, Son and Holy Spirit you have a personal relationship with the God of the universe and that God loves you eternally and that God has said to you I myself will never oh you know it's double negation I will never no never leave you under any circumstance at no time for no reason I will never no never forsake you you have the God of the universe the creator a personal relationship with him when you factor in what you have remember to calculate the value of having God in your life and when you factor in this relationship and you attach the proper value to that relationship. This relationship cancels out every other deficiency. I don't have a big house, but I have a big God. I don't have a big car, but I have a big God. I don't have a big job, but I have a big God. I don't have this, but I have God. I don't have that, but I have God. I don't have this, but I have God. And when I factor in my relationship with God, and I factor in his love for me, his goodness to me, his promises to me, his commitment to me, ladies and gentlemen, what I have now is always more than I need. Are you hearing me? Paul went on to say in Philippians 4:19, "My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus." That was Paul saying to the Philippians, "Jesus is all you need." to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. And if you have a relationship with him, you are complete in him. I love the way someone put it. He says the day you discover that he's all you have, that's the day you will realize he's all you need. You see, here is Paul's secret. That is Paul's secret. The secret that Paul had discovered was the value of having a personal, intimate relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. His secret was to realize that even in the prison cell he was in, he had Father, he had Son, he had Holy Spirit. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Jesus made him complete. Listen to me. Here is the core of this message. Because this is the revelation that we truly need 
to experience real contentment. That my relationship with God in Christ ultimately is everything and that this relationship cancels out any other deficiency. I don't have money, but I have a God who promised to supply my needs. Are you hearing me? Say, Lord, open my eyes that I may see that Jesus is all I have and Jesus is all I need. Listen to me, and this is how the Holy Spirit put it to me. Bless me. Maybe I'll bless you. I have the Father's love surrounding me. I have the Son's life sustaining me. I have the Spirit's power supporting, strengthening, and supplying everything I need for life and godliness. If I have the Father's love surrounding me, if I have the Son's life sustaining me, and if I have the Spirit's power strengthening, supplying all of my needs, then brothers and sisters, what reason do I have not to give thanks and be grateful and to have peace? no matter my circumstances. Come on, let's say, say, say with me. In this situation I find myself in, I have peace, I'm satisfied to the point that I am not disturbed or ungrateful because I have Father loving me. Jesus sustaining me, spirit strengthening me. I can do all things through Christ. So Paul said, because I know this secret that I have an eternal relationship with God that, it, that, that is forever, because I know this, whether I'm in prison, or whether I'm out of prison, whether I have an abundance, or whether right now I have very little, because I know this truth, I am not disturbed. I have peace. I still walk in joy. I'm still filled with hope, because I know this. Practice reminding yourself in every situation that you have the Father's love surrounding you, the Spirit, the Son's life sustaining you, the Spirit's power strengthening you. Therefore, you are complete. Practice reminding yourself. Therefore, you have more than you need. Practice reminding yourself until you master it so that you can become a master of contentment.
There's one more thing. I'm running out of time, so let me quickly rush to the third thing. Here's the third, third, third thing I need to know. Know this, that there's a difference between eternal things and temporal things. And they are not of equal value. Hmm? Many, in fact, I, I could almost say all of the things that we worry over, fret over, lose our joy over, become depressed about, become sad, all of those things for most of us is are purely temporal. Which means they're just fleeting and passing. Ask yourself the thing you're worrying about right now. 100 years from now will it matter. No, no, the thing you're all worked up over today, you have lost your joy about, you have no peace about, you're ungrateful, you're sad, you're depressed, you're discouraged. You want to give up on God. You want to give up on the church. You want to give up on people. You want to give up on life. Some people literally commit suicide. Ask yourself, the fact that you're not married and you want to be, 100 years from now, will it matter? 1,000 years from now, will it matter? The fact that you didn't get that promotion or you didn't get that job. Now, remember, you, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You didn't get the job, but you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The fact that you didn't get that job 100 years from now, will it matter to you? A thousand years from now, will it matter to you? And if it's not going to matter 100 years from now or 1,000 years from now, is it worth getting all worked up over, becoming depressed, discouraged, lose your joy when you have father? Father's love surrounding you, son's life sustaining you, spirit's power strengthening you. Is it worth getting all worked up, becoming depressed, discouraged, losing your job, quitting because of that? You are eternal beings. You have life without end. You will live forever. 1,000 years from now, you will still be alive, and what you're going through will not matter. One million years from now, you will still be alive. One billion years from now, you will still be alive. One trillion years from now, you will still be alive. That being the case, why should you allow something that is but for a moment to so disturb your life that you lose your joy, you cannot enjoy what you have 
because you're so focused on what you don't have. Paul said this, he says, listen, our momentary light afflictions. He says momentary because he lived in the light of eternity. If your vision of your life ends at the grave, you will always have trouble with contentment. Paul said if only in this life we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. But if you can realize that what you're going through right now is but for a moment in a life that is forever. You can look at it and say, I don't like this, it's not good, I wish it wasn't here, and where I can, if I can change it, I will, but I'm not going to allow this thing to disturb me to the point that I lose my joy, I lose my peace, I lose my hope, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I want to give up. No, I am eternal. Come on, say to your neighbor, the thing you're worrying about and fretting over tomorrow won't be here and it won't matter one bit to you or to anybody else. Hallelujah. Let me end with this, let me end with this verse. Go to Go to First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy six six. Go to verse six, and we're going to read from verse six to eight, and then I'll end. Let's read together. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Verse eight. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Amen. Come on, say having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. In other words, if all I have is enough to eat and one suit to wear on Sunday. At least it covers my nakedness. And it keeps me warm. I can be satisfied to the point of not being disturbed, uneasy, and being ungrateful. Amen? Why? Because I also have, that's important, I only have one pair of shoes, I only have one suit, I only have enough to eat today, but I also have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, I am content. Come on, raise your hand and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. We worship you, we praise you, and we bless your holy name. Take this message, meditate on it, and then start to put into practice these basic principles and whatever else the Lord may show you. Put them into practice until you master the art of contentment.
because godliness with contentment is in fact great gain. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what Paul said. I can do all things. Christ will strengthen me to be content. Amen. I will trust him to strengthen me. I will trust him to give me the strength not to compare myself. I will trust him to give me the strength to celebrate the value of what I already have and be grateful. I will trust him for the strength to do those things that will allow me to live a life of godly contentment in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bow, please, every eye close. You're here today and you have not yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is your time. This is your moment. You can exchange your life now, which is under judgment, for eternal life, which is his gift to you. He is ready and able to cleanse you from all of your sins and to establish you in a permanent and eternal relationship with him that will save you from hell, bless you with heaven, but enable you to enjoy a personal relationship with him even now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're watching by live stream, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I'm going to ask the entire church to pray this prayer with you. Pray this from your heart. Mean every word you say. And, and, and God who has promised, and Jesus who has died, will give you the gift of eternal life. Let's pray together. Say, Father God, I thank you for Jesus who gave his life for me. I am a sinner, I'm guilty, I'm under condemnation, I cannot save myself, but oh God, I ask for grace, and I ask for mercy, and I repent of my sin. I want to be delivered from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin. Father God, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe Jesus arose. I believe Jesus is coming again. And today, I ask you on the basis of his blood to forgive me of all of my sins. I confess Jesus now as my Savior and as my Lord. Jesus, thank you for eternal life. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www.bethelcityofhope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.